Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Black Monday in the NFL, and that black cloud uh, went over Hallis Hall, and it cost. Started yesterday. Yes, exactly. And it's cost Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy their jobs. My name is Aldo Gandia. The gentleman beside me is Greg Gabriel. He is an NFL football expert. Lots of experience in all matters of the NFL, including 10 years. Was it 10 years or nine years? I've, I've read different things. On nine and a half. Nine and a half with the Chicago Bears. Greg, how are you today? I'm great. Good. You look good. Um, I got my workout in. I've been up since four, though. Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) I'm already starting to feel it a little. That's why I'm drinking coffee. Um, You and I just finished listening uh, separately uh, and watching uh, the George McCaskey, Ted Phillips press conference where he announced why he made the decisions to release Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I'd love to start this episode with your general observations about what was shared. Uh, I I think a lot of speculation uh, that Ryan was going to be involved in some way going forward was obviously put to rest. Uh, When you listen to it, um, George was not happy. You know, even somebody asked him the question about, well, you you know, you said your mother, your mother said she was pissed four years ago or something. You know, uh, how would you describe it now? And it was pretty much along the same words, just a little different vocabulary. Very, very disappointed is what Mrs. McCaskey yes. said. And, so, yeah. I, I, t- I tell you, and, and I say this like seems like every week. I, I watch these things on the Bears Twitter feed, and so you can see the comments coming up. And which I wish there was a way to shut those things off because <laughs> some of them are horrible, and ninety percent of them are by by assholes who don't have a freaking clue, and they might be listening to the show of what they're talking about. Okay, and what certain job descriptions are for certain people and what they're responsible for doing. So, you know, I, I know the inner workings of the organization. Yeah. I haven't worked there full time in a long time, but that doesn't change how things are done. You know, as, as a corporate entity and the way the bears do business, that's, 
you know, going to stay the same. Um, I just saw a question pop up. So Bill Poland, you know, yay or nay, basically. That's a yay. How, how is it anything but? And, you know, some people were putting up these comments. Oh, he's in the last century. He, he thought uh, Jackson was a wide receiver. Well, so what if he thought Jackson was a wide receiver? He wasn't the only one. <laughs> There's a lot of people that felt that way. And he, he was wrong on his opinion in, in, on that particular evaluation. But so what? There's no virgins in the evaluation business. <laughs> Everybody makes mistakes. And you just try to make, you know, hit, get a lot more hits than you do strikeouts. Mm -hmm. uh, but Bill, I've, I've known Bill since 1984. Uh, you know, I, I was working part-time for the Buffalo Bills starting in 81. Bill got hired in 84, so he had only been there a couple months when I got my first um, full-time job. And that was with uh, National Scouting in uh, May of 1984. So I got to, and, and my mentor worked for Buffalo. It was his boss, Norm Pollum. Bill was the director of pro scouting at the time. And so I got to know him. And he's one of the sharpest guys I've ever been around as far as just pure outright intelligence. Um, you know, he's got red hair like I used to have. <laughs> When I had her, like he used to have, you know, look at that. Uh, but he and he's got a temper, uh, but he he knows his football. He's got a son that's in the league, an executive in the league. He's got another son that just left Notre Dame, Foul Brian Kelly, uh, down to LSU. He's a special teams coach. And and one of the top recruit one of the top recruiters in the country. He has been a head coach. He was head coach at Nevada. Um, you know, it's a football family. And to think that Bill is not going to come up with some good ideas and be beneficial to the Bears in this process, it's just ludicrous. And you know, I, I I've known Ernie Acorsi for a long time, and I consider Ernie a friend. Bill Polian is like a thousand times better than Ernie Corsi in a situation like this. Ernie does not keep involved and is out of touch, you know, and, and where, you know, Bill is, is the exact opposite. He's always involved. You might not always agree with him, but so what, you know, the important thing is that they, they put together the right group of people to interview ask the right questions and then come up with, with the right opinion. And in all honesty, you know, they're trying to pin George down a little bit. You know, George said in a perfect world, not I'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. in, in a perfect world, he'd rather hire the GM first, but if they interview a great coaching candidate and they think that should be the guy that's not to preclude them from, from trying to hire this guy. And I don't see anything wrong with that because then you can bring the two of them together and see how they mesh, you know, in, in, in a joint interview type thing. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be 
a head coach who's subservient to the GM. And, and you go back to um, some of our earlier discussions on here, and people asked him about the football czar thing, and he ba- basically gave the same answer as I said on this show about four times. You know, it's like you're just giving somebody else a title. You know, somebody's got to be responsible. See, what happens is the media comes up with this idea, and so all of a sudden that's what they have to do. But go through the league and how many teams in the league have that situation? Well, it, it is. It, let me let me push back a little. Okay. Uh, Greg. Yeah. Uh, it is a little bit different um, with the Chicago Bears, given the record of ineptitude by the McCaskey family, particularly since George has been leading. He he was asked about the structural organization at the press conference, and this was his reply. Well, the change in the interview room is that we've got three new people in the room. So we've got the benefit of their uh, perspective. Um, organizationally, um, it remains to be seen how much is going to change because I haven't had a general manager report to me. So uh, I've got a lot uh, to learn in that regard and counting on the new general manager uh, to help me along in that process. That, that to me is just unacceptable, that response. He is saying that I am going to learn how to do this job after we just came off of four years of having a, ma- a head coach saying, I'm learning on the job. After seven years of hiring a young GM who was hired at the age of I'm down, have a cup of coffee. Sit uh, down. But, but this, this is very irritating. And I, I, no, realize, I, I look at I, I, I know I realize, where you're coming hold, from. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I realize that I'm coming off strong and, and emotional about this. Listen, I've been cheering for this team since 1968, and it's not just a normal type of cheering. I think about this team virtually every day. I've devoted my post-retirement career to covering the Chicago Bears, not making any money, but here I am talking about the Chicago Bears and, and, and wishing and hoping that they get this right. And so I'm a lot like millions of other Chicago Bears fans. I am upset that the guy who is responsible for this team is admitting that he doesn't know how to behave with the next general manager and that general manager is going to have to teach him. And he says, I'm a fan. And so why are you allowing a fan to make these big decisions, even if he is being consulted by a number of other people? It's very upsetting. Well, first of all, he's an owner, Aldo. And how many owners really know besides less than a handful they don't okay now here's where the change and 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 i don't mind it i'm not sticking up for anybody here i listen just like you did but i got a different if you listen real carefully ted's pretty much being taken out of the football picture and we had talked about that before you know i think it was adam hogan brought it up uh in, in an article they basically said he's got to build this stadium and there's a, you know, that's a full-time job and Ted is going to be involved 
80% on that, 20% on, you know, and, and, and running the, the business of the Chicago Bears. And this new general manager is going to um, be running the football operations. Well, who do you want him to report to? Mrs. McCaskey? No. Okay. Well, That's so what he's got to be talking about the creating this layer of management that you have then the GM reporting to. And, and, but what's he gonna what's that guy gonna do? See, so you, you you one guy's gotta be responsible. And I I can I, I can't guarantee it, but I suspect it that Polian's gonna be a consultant for a little bit on this you know, along the way and um, probably a good idea only to bounce things off him. He doesn't necessarily have to be in the building because in in my opinion, it's actually better off if he's out of the building because who is, I mean, who has the ultimate responsibility of, building the football team into a, you know, a viable source or viable team within the National Football League than the general manager. And when you get too many people there, it's like I said, let me back up a little bit. Hire a good GM and then have him hire a real good director of player personnel. And... Now, here's what's going to happen, and I'm jumping ahead uh, a little bit on this, but a good portion of the staff, decision-making staff under Ryan Pace will probably be here through the draft, unless there's somebody this guy wants and he can get. Generally speaking, you're not going to get those people until after the draft, just the way the rules are within the league. You know, so he's going to have to rely, but he's got this. He's got his the reports from the team he's working for. And if he's in the decision-making mode, he's got all the reports. So those are coming. So now you're really getting two teams' reports on the players going into the draft, both pro players for free agency and the college players. So that's, that's an advantage. Um, but then after that, hire good people underneath you. You know, Mark Sadowski is a friend of mine. He was on my, my uh, staff here. He's a d- current director of college scouting. I would say his chance of keeping that job are less than 50%. You know, he would stand a better chance of keeping that job than the current director of player personnel. You know, that that's that's a Matt Nagy guy, and he's gonna go. Because that's what happens when you you know, when you bring in a new administration, they bring in their own guys. Somebody said, get Trace Armstrong. What does Trace Armstrong know about running a football team? He's an agent. He hasn't had anything to do with the sport of of running a team in his entire life. He negotiates contracts. What's he know about player evaluation? And how long has it been 
you know, since he played. It's been a long damn time. He's good at what he is. He's a great agent. That doesn't mean he can be a great GM. What about a guy like John Lynch? I mean, he was a, uh, a Hall of Fame caliber player. In fact, he yeah, wasn't played a long time. Hall of Fame, then went into broadcasting and then went immediately from broadcasting to being a GM who has had some success getting his team into the playoffs. Why, up and down, why up, up, up and down success. Yeah. So why why does it work there? Why uh, help us understand why? Well, somebody I know that that stick. would be like okay if you went hired on out and hired Lewis Riddick. Lewis Riddick though didn't have anywhere near the success as um, and I know Lewis uh, didn't have anywhere near the success that you know the the, the San Francisco GM has had mm-hmm. as a player. Um, Lewis had more success probably as a, as a broadcaster being that he's a analyst for Monday night football, you know, he's a rising star in that business personally. And I've, I've known Lewis a long, long time, worked with him for a year. He's not a GM. You know, Lewis is real good at what he does right now. Mm-hmm. And he's going to make a ton of money doing that. But you know, Mike Mayock was a TV analyst too. That turned into a disaster. Matt Millen was a TV analyst. Oh yeah, this guy's great. We got to hire him as a GM. Well, how'd that work out? Besides, not work out at all. So for every Lynch you get, there's going to be several more that that were just terrible. Yeah, I'm not sure I would say the Mayock hire was a disaster, particularly given oh, that the team just made the playoffs. Been, his, his drafts have been horrible. <laughs> and and they, you know, completely revamped. I'll tell you, it's going to be hard to fire that that interim coach. Mm-hmm. They got him in the damn playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, gee, wasn't he a special teams coach? <laughs> isn't Dave Cove a special teams coach? <laughs> just thinking out loud. Um, Toa asks, uh, Greg and Aldo, do you think it's important to have an ex-Bears player considered as a general manager or coach? In my opinion, it doesn't matter as long as they win. Ex-Bears would be an icing on the cake, though. Ex-Bears player considered? No. Not, not if he hasn't been involved in the hierarchy of an organization. If he had gone to work and, and, and learned the craft. Tell you, this is an easy work. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, players' days are eight, nine-hour days from the time they get there to the time they leave and they're doing a lot of working out and they're practicing, going to meetings, all that. Coaches' days, especially during the season, 14, 15 hours, you don't see your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you miss a whole lot, you know. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, forget it. Thursday night, you get home. And Friday night, if you got a kid in high school, you might be able to go to his game. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's your time. And know how I know that? I mean, and I wasn't coaching. I was front up. I missed the birth of my two daughters. No, oh, hate to hear that. Okay? Because I couldn't get home in time. Mm. In both situations. You know, I get a call with, with my older daughter at five o'clock in the morning. You know, my water broke. 
I'm in East Lansing. So I said, okay, I'll drive to Detroit. I can get to the Detroit airport in an hour and 15 minutes. I'll get the first flight. Well, the first flight wasn't going to leave until seven. Hmm. Guess what? I had a baby daughter before seven. Wow. I mean, it was, you know, it was a real quick labor. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll be there plenty of time. You know, that kid was two and a half hours old before I saw her. That's that. Uh, that is a testament to how difficult these jobs are, how intensive, and you know, and for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace who lost their jobs today, a lot of people don't see the, the sacrifices that they made uh, for this team, and it's you know, from from that standpoint, I feel for them, I feel for their families, but from the standpoint of that was the decision the correct one, it was the correct one, and it no, was- there, there's there's no question, it, it you know. Now, I don't believe, you know, going back, there's been all this stuff that Matt's known for a couple of weeks. I don't believe that for one second. He might have speculated, mm-hmm. you know, based on how the season's going. Don't you think the way the news cycle is right now that that would have leaked? And there's been one person here, one person there. You know, Boomer Esaias and said, well, he got notified last Monday. Yeah, Boomer Esaias and said the other day, too, that Matt or that uh, Aaron Rodgers was going to boycott the Super Bowl. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah. Okay. And, and then he found out he was pranked, you know. <laughs> On the air, he, he found out. Yeah. And some of these other people, some of these bloggers around here, they say, oh, you know, he, he was notified last week. No, he wasn't. Because I tell you, if they're going to tell me I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to say, see ya. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, what, what are you thinking about? Where, where, where is your uh, – don't, don't you think Matt Nagy wanted to go out 3-0 and in his last three games? Mm-hmm. Well, and, for yeah. sure. Indeed. Yeah, of course he did. According to Uncle Skeet, there's a report that the Bears uh, are, are requesting an interview with Leslie Frazier. Uh, what do you think about the former Chicago Bears cornerback who played with the 85 Super Bowl team and went on to become head coach of the Vikings and has had some success as a defensive coordinator throughout the league? I got mixed emotions. I really respect I, – I don't – I've met Leslie a couple times, but I can't say I know him. Um, and the – First time I met him was um, what is it Trinity College? Is that the name of it? That's right up off of, or it was right up off of uh, ninety four and one thirty seven. In yeah. where now is that that big um, drug complex in there? Mm-hmm. But I think it was. I don't know if the campus is still there, but he was the head coach, and that was really my my first experience with them they had a player they had a quarterback who was a transfer from florida state Mm -hmm. and uh then right after that ron turner hired him down at illinois and he was the you know on top of being a coach he was the pro liaison and so you got to talk to him then he's done a great job at buffalo their defense you know if you look at the rankings of their defense this year it's outstanding no, my only concern is, and it, and it might be just me because I haven't been around the guy. You never see him talk. Yeah, he's a very soft-spoken guy. Yeah, but I mean, even on the sideline, with and, you know, and I watch every game of Buffalo because that's my hometown team, mm-hmm. and 
you never see it except to talk, you know, to call a defense. You never see him like in, in between series. You don't see him sitting down with the players. Hmm. Now it could very well be. I just don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he, I'm certain that he does, but probably not very much to be caught by the cameras. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of, uh, and we're going to get your list of potential candidates or candidates that you would like to see interviewed. But I want to start uh, that segment of the show with this report from Adam Hogue, who talked about, um, Morocco, uh, did I get the right one here? Yeah, Morocco Brown. He writes uh, for NBCSports.com, Adam Hogue does, there are a number of factors that make Morocco Brown a logical fit for the Chicago Bears. For one, he spent seven years as as the team's assistant director of pro personnel, so George McCaskey and Ted Phillips have familiarity with him. Brown has been Colts general manager Chris Ballard's right-hand man for the last five years in Indianapolis, largely directing the Colts' drafts, which have been strong. Ballard was a finalist for the Bears' GM job in 2015, but the Bears hired Pace instead. Hiring Brown now could be seen as somewhat of a do-over on that decision. Your thoughts? He's the number one guy on my list for the GM. And I know Morocco. You know, Morocco was an intern for Washington before we hired him. And... Then he was here and then he went back to Washington and the decision-making, you know, he's here for seven seasons, went back to Washington and the uh, uh, director of pro scouting or something. And then he became director of player personnel in Cleveland. That was, you know, Cleveland had that new owner who was firing people every other year. <laughs> it was just, excuse my language, a shit show. Mm. And, and Morocco really got caught up in a, bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that he's Chris's right-hand man. He doesn't live in Indianapolis. He lives in Florida. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of college directors that don't live where the, you can be in-house or out-of-house. I was in-house mm-hmm. because of what I was being asked to do. Um, but a lot of times a team that has a director of player personnel, their director of college scouting doesn't necessarily live in the city of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, Sadowski is the Bears' current college scouting director. Sadowski lives in L.A. Uh, and, and that's the case with a lot of scouting directors around the league. If there's no player personnel director, different story. See what the, the how we had it set up. There was Jerry Angelo, then there was me, and Bobby DePaul. Mm-hmm. I ran college, Bobby ran pro, mm-hmm. and we had like separate entities, and we reported to Jerry. And when you have a player personnel director, you got the GM directly underneath him, the player personnel director, and then you're splitting off to pro and college. So that's your in your player personnel director is your in between guy, mm-hmm. and the Bears have that currently right now, you know. And and how many, like I say, how many of those guys are going to be kept of the decision making guys are going to be kept on this uh, staff following the draft? That remains to be seen. You know, they got basically three to four months to, to sell themselves to whoever the next GM is. Mm-hmm. 
But let's get back to Morocco. Morocco is very, very intelligent. Morocco played the game, was an inside linebacker at uh, North Carolina State. In fact, we had the two assistants in pro scouting were, were Morocco and Kevin Turks. And they were the two starting inside linebackers at North Carolina State for like three years. And, and Kevin is now at Tennessee, involved in pro scouting. Another great guy. Uh, Morocco's a good family man. His wife is a sweetheart. Uh, I don't know how many kids he has now, but um, probably a bunch. Excellent evaluator. Very good communication skills. Uh, an all-around good guy, but he knows and understands the game. And then, yes, he, he knows the Bears hierarchy. Yeah, it's been 15 years since he's been in the building now. So, but he still knows the people involved. Now, in his role, when he was here, his tie to George was this much. I mean, George was running the ticket office downstairs, and we were up on the, you know, floor above doing our thing. And and, and unless Morocco had to uh, do something special with tickets, there was no need to you know, communicate with George mm -hmm. and same with, with Ted, because Morocco reported to Bobby DePaul and return, re, you know, reported to Jerry. Um, and, and Morocco did do some side work for me. Uh, only when we got near the draft, you know, might have some, look at some linebackers and stuff. Once they got through with that first, phase of free agency just have because we tried to keep that uh separate identity between the the college and pro stuff where i would do some pro stuff but none of my none of my scouts would do any pro stuff mm -hmm. and and we let um you know uh morocco do some college stuff kevin did a little college stuff but it was only just to to get an extra opinion if we in fact needed it but I, I got to know Morocco really well. Uh, I really think the world of him. Uh, I got a bunch of other names, but I would think, you know, there's another name with with the with the Colts that. Before we get off of uh, Morocco, I want to uh, ask PJ's question here. He says, "So you like Morocco Brown, but do you like him more than Champ Kelly? And if so, why?" I, you know, I don't. I've met Chad Kelly, and he's really a nice guy. I've never read a report. You know what I mean? And you know what I mean by that? Sure. Although sure. it's like, you know, I can go on a school call when, when I'm on the road or when I was on the road, not only was I scouting players, I was scouting scouts, mm -hmm. you know, because there's going to be an opening and I'm going to need somebody. That's how I got Mark Sadowski. Mm -hmm. I saw Mark on, you know, at work a bunch of times, but you're still missing one thing. You see how he handles himself on a school call and how he handles himself with the other scouts and how he handles himself at practice and the questions he asks of the coaching staff. You never see his report. I mean, that's confidential. And right. that's the bottom line because yeah. we're seeing the same thing, but how did he evaluate him? And right. he doesn't necessarily have to, evaluate the guy the same way as I do for me to say he's he's good, bad, or indifferent. 
And, and in fact, it's good when there is a difference. And I'll go back to when I worked for the Giants. George Young said, if you're going to agree with me, I don't need you. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's got to be differences of opinion. And so you can come together with the the right opinion. Right. Um, so, but but, but anyway, to go back, I, I, I can't answer on champ. People speak highly of him, but... You know, I can't. You know, I can't say he'd he'd be good, bad, or indifferent. I because mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. Will he be one of the candidates uh, interviewed? I would say pretty good shot. Mm-hmm. All right, who else is on that list of of yours for GM candidates? Well, I'm tell you, there's somebody who has connections here that you got to talk to. Mm-hmm. Got to talk to him. You don't have to hire him, but you got to talk to him. Rick Spielman. Oh, just released as the uh, GM of the Vikings. Yes. Rick worked here, too. Rick worked worked here before we came. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he was down in Miami and then uh, up in uh, in Minnesota. Uh, (laughs) Rick is is a good GM and a good football mind. He's been there like 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like Andy Reid. He got stable. And part of it, you know, his son died his last year when he was in Philly. But you kind of get stale. Mm-hmm. And then you, you you need to be reinvigorated. And so would you want to talk to him about the situation knowing what he's done in the past. He's done a lot of good things up in Minnesota. You know, and and it's not like you got to have a guy learning on the fly because he already knows it. And so, again, I'm not saying that you got to hire him. I'm saying he's got to be part of the process. Not has to be, but... Mm-hmm probably should be if in fact he wants to be maybe he wants to you know maybe he's got a year left on his contract or two years left on his contract and he wants to take a paid vacation <laughs> that sounds great to me <laughs> you know so you know harry harry he stand is has not official yet but it's official is going to, back to notre dame as the offensive line coach well he's been getting paid by the bears the last two years mm-hmm. harry has been working every year since he got out of college coaching as a GA and then worked his way up and he finally had a fall off, you know, and, and his, his one son is on the was on Fangio's Broncos staff. So I guess he's looking for a job now. And his other son was playing at the air force Academy. So Harry had a, was renting a place out in Denver so he could, be with both his sons, mm. you know, God love him. That's, that's great. So now he's, you know, had a breather and he's going back to work for Notre Dame. Spillman is under contract through the 2023 season with uh, the Vikings. So uh, if he does want to just sit back, he's got a couple of years that he could do that before entering the league. He could get a broadcasting job for sure. I've seen him on camera. He's very eloquent, well-spoken guy, and you would be a good addition to him any station. Uh, so who else on your list do you think, from a general manager's perspective, 
that you would like to see the Chicago Bears talk to? I got a whole bunch. <laughs> I, I think they should talk to Rick Smith. Uh, former, former Atlanta Falcons uh, G, GM, right? No, former Houston Texans GM. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, the negative that some people around the league. Now, I didn't come up with all these things. But let, let's clarify this. Mm -hmm. I made calls mm -hmm. and said, okay, who are the best guys? And some of these names I got might be the first time you've heard some of these names. Not Rick Smith. Everybody throws out that name. But some other names might be the, the first time. I was, you know, my Morocco Brown, I thought he was, I was going to be the first guy in him, you know, two <laughs> weeks ago. And now everybody's beating me to the punch. But, you know, Morocco's, all, I've always had him up there. Uh, then Rick Smith. Um, Dan Morgan, former player, linebacker, uh, was in Buffalo a number of years. And now he's the assistant GM at Carolina. He's only been there since Scott Fitterer has been the, you know, GM actually since right after the draft. So not even a year, uh, but Dan, I don't know, Dan, I just know his reputation is way up here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Brian Sanders. Now Brian Sanders uh, had a run as a, a GM, but he wasn't, he was one of those GMs in name only because it was at Denver when Josh McDaniels was the head coach and Josh McDaniels was trying to be everything. And so, you know, Xanders was glorified director of player personnel. You know, he's been at the Rams now for a long time. Rams do things a little bit differently than everybody else. And so he's been exposed to that. And I, uh, and they've got some really quality people in the front office at the Rams. So, you know, he's a guy, again, I'm not saying you hire these people. These are people you want to talk to, mm -hmm. you know, on, on your list. Then you're going to make a decision. Um, Will McClay. I don't know Will. I know Brian Sanders. I don't know Will McClay. Everybody I've talked to says positive things. He's a vice president of player personnel for the Cowboys. Now, you know, when you're working for the Cowboys and you got a high title like that, you're still playing second fiddle to Jerry Jones. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so how far, what you don't know, and you want to find out in the course of the interview process, you know, how, how is he going to make decisions? Because Jerry's always made the ultimate decisions there, mm -hmm. you know, so, but he's on the name Jojo Wooden been at the Jets. He's now the director of player personnel for the Chargers. Mm -hmm. Been in the league a long time. Quality evaluator. A little bit on the quiet side. Really good person, though. You know, just, you know, a, a name that you, you know, everybody, when you talk to people, they all say, that's a guy you got to talk to. So do I got, did I mention everybody here? Yeah, that's everybody. It's a good list. Good list and some new names that I have not heard before, so we'll be doing some homework on, on those guys. What about at the coaching position? I'm sure you've got some names for us. Uh, I know one guy that you have been touting uh, consistently, and that is this gentleman, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. You know, I think he had a bad situation with the Jets. He had the world's worst 
GM there and, you know, saddled him with a bad roster. But I've worked with, with Todd. I've known Todd for 18, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good guy. Todd is, um, he's got some old school in him, which I like because I'm old school. Uh, part of his um, learning process was working under Parcells mm-hmm. in Dallas. Worked with Bruce Arians. Everybody knows how good he is as a, as a defensive coordinator. All you got to do is look at last year's Super Bowl if you want proof. Uh, this, he does a remarkable job. Players love him, but he's not afraid to kick your ass. <laughs> that's good. I like that. Okay, like so that's that's what I mean. He's got he's got some old school in him. He's not yeah, he's and and he's got some hood in him too. Like mm-hmm. he can t- he, he can talk some shit with you. Mm-hmm. And and he can be tough. And you know, I, I, I mentioned something on Twitter about him and Jason McKee, who also went to Temple. Todd went to Temple. And, and Jason went to Temple, and Jason goes, Temple tough, you know, and he's got the muscle iron. But I said, you're a homer. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's, um, to me, that's the number one guy. Mm-hmm. Now, after this morning, you, you got to take a look at Brian Flores. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, now. Okay, what the key is, what the hell happened in Miami? Now, supposedly the word is there was a disconnect between him and the GM, Chris Greer. And, you know, it turned into a power struggle. And so, you know, Greer won. And usually you get into a situation like that, there is going to be a, a winner and a loser, and, and, and the owner chose to, to stay with the GM, but you've got to really research that because from the outside looking in, it's that this guy's a, a quality coach and this team really played good down the stretch. Mm-hmm. With I think a very average quarterback, I've never been a big Tua fan. And another guy that players really like seems to anyway. So I think from the research standpoint, when you, when you interview him, you got to get his take, but you also got to talk to Miami to get their take Mm -hmm. and then kind of piece it together and say, okay, what's real? What really happened? Yeah. Those are always uh, sticky situations because you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He said, she said, but the, clearly his performance on the football field, I mean, winning seven straight games uh, to end the season is a lot different than how the Bears have been operating lately in terms of winning streaks. I think uh, what, what hurts him, especially for this situation, is he's made, a, he's made numerous changes in his offensive staff mm-hmm. in the three years he's been at Miami including, I think, a bunch of different offensive line coaches. And you've got to have some cohesiveness there. you got to get it right. Now, being that he's already spent three years as a head coach, you would think, okay, now he's ready to get it right. But still, he, he, I think he's had too much turnover in some areas, or more turnover than you want to see. 
-hmm. So that's another thing is you've got to really investigate that. Why, why did those things happen? But because he's had success, you still got to talk to him. You know, you, you don't want to talk to three people. You know, you want to, you want to talk to a bunch to, to, to come up with the right guy. And now that he's, he's fired and he's out on the street, street free agent, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's no parameters about when you can talk to him and how long you can talk to him. And all, like, like if you're going in to talk to Todd Bowles mm -hmm. because they're in a playoff situation. Right. A lot of uh, speculation about John Harbaugh. And one of the things uh, was Harbaugh might go to Miami. Well, John Ross, the Dolphins owner, said today at his press conference, I hope John Harbaugh stays at Michigan. And he is, of course, Mr. Ross is a big-time booster of that Michigan football team. But there are also reports that Harbaugh has been calling people in uh, throughout the NFL, inquiring if they might be interested in joining him if he were to make that move to the NFL. Those are unconfirmed reports, but those speculation. Yeah, Glazer had that yesterday on on the pregame. Mm -hmm. uh, and and Jay, when Jay comes up with something, it's usually pretty accurate. Uh, because he's tied into some coaches really, really well. Yep. Um, personally, I'm not a Harbaugh fan. Tell me okay. why. Well, I will in a minute. And I know if you if if Hub was sitting next to me, you know, we and Hub's a good friend of mine, but we'd probably come to fisticuffs <laughs> because you know Hub Hub <laughs> loves Harbaugh. Um, I think he's a fucking nutcase. Really. Yeah, I, I mean, I just watch his mannerisms on the sideline. And he wears on you. And he he's like, you know, put a Michigan game on TV. He's like, a, he's like the, the ultimate crybaby along the sidelines the whole freaking game. <laughs> I, I, don't want, I don't want that in the coach. <laughs> uh, I I, I'll take agree. his brother in a heartbeat. Yes. I have to agree with you, Greg, that something rubbed me wrong about him. I'm kind of warming up to the idea of Harbaugh potentially being the Bears head coach, but there is, there's something about his character, his personality, his mannerisms. No, I'm not going to say his character. I'll say his personality. Thank you. Yes. that's much Okay, better. but, you know, still, like, there's stories on the recruiting trail when he camped out in front of a guy's house. <laughs> Come on. Mm -hmm. What's that about? You know, Grant, and granted, when you're dealing with college kids, I, you know, I think his element is college. I really do. Um, he was at Stanford. He was at the University of San Diego. Um, he's, he's had a lot of success at Michigan now. Well, I finally had success this year at Michigan. He got his ass kicked by Ohio State seven years in a row. Um, but, you know, my personal feeling is, you know, they gave him a big haircut last year. They cut his they cut his salary. And he earned a lot of it back in incentives. But you can't tell me that didn't piss him off. Hmm. And it's not like he had anywhere to go, you know, last year. So he had to do it. Mm -hmm. So now it's gonna be okay, we're we're gonna turn the tables. I got to the college football playoff, and now I'm in the driver's seat and I just signed a good class. You know, the signing period last month in December. So he's like, 
Yeah, I think you got to pay me. And you got to pay me more than you took away. <laughs> yeah. And, really and he's got the leverage. Mm-hmm. What uh, Speaking of college coaches, let's move on to uh, Mr. Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach who worked with Justin Fields at college. Uh, he, his name gets bandied about. What are your thoughts about Ryan Day as a potential NFL head coach and the Bears head coach? I think that Ryan Day is staying in college and that the, his name gets brought up because of the natural connection with, with uh, Justin Fields. He does have experience in the pro game as a quarterback coach. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. A couple little things. Tell me he's got no interest in leaving. They just, their, their wide receiver coach, Brian Hartline, who's a uh, Ohio State grad, spent some time in the, in, in the NFL, but he's a, got the reputation as a great recruiter and receiver coach at Ohio State, and there was other schools that wanted him, and he just got a promotion, to. So he's not just the receiver coach. Now he's a passing game coordinator, mm-hmm. and he is one of their best recruiters. And, you know, if you look at the wide receiver classes that come out of there every year, you can understand why. He does – of course, it's not too hard to be a good coach when you got a bunch of five-star guys playing for you. But – because of that move, and then he brought in a defensive coordinator who I don't remember the name, but he made him, I think it was the Oklahoma State guy, but I'm not 100% sure, made him the highest paid defensive coordinator in college football now. Mm. Okay, so I don't think you make those moves if you're thinking of going somewhere else, mm-hmm. especially then you're sticking it to the school because you got to replace him, number one, and it's and now it, it, in the college game, you got to replace the guy in January versus replacing the guy in in November or December. Mm-hmm. So you're you're way behind. The good candidates are gone, and you're stuck paying like that guy you just hired. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's just you know, could I be a hundred percent wrong? Absolutely. That's just my my thought process. Could yeah. he interview? Sure, he could interview. I don't think unless you really knocked his socks off with an offer, if they in fact wanted him, um, you know, and, and the lack of success that college coaches have had in recent years and Matt rule being the latest, why would you go that route? Mm-hmm. You know, it just, I, I don't see it, um, you know, happening. But my, my other names, you know, I've, I always mention Dave Tobe. Mm-hmm. Dave Tobe is very deserving. Uh, whether they, you know, will, will interview him or not, I don't know. I know he is going to have the respect of the room. And when you got Bears alumni jumping on the table for him, like Olin, Pat Manley, and others, then – you know, you got, you got to listen, but I've worked with Dave Tope for a number of years. So I know what kind of coach he is and I know what kind of leader he is. So, you know, I'll take Dave Tope in a heartbeat and, and, you know, not worry about it. I know teams in good hands. Um, and speaking of that, I mentioned that, you know, Olin is 
jumped on the table for him, Pat Manley. How about George Bukowski calling out Olin? There is a lot of talk about that in the chat room, and people wanted me to ask you, what did you think about that? And for those who did not see the press conference, George McCaskey was asked about Olin Krutz's contention that he was offered a job to consult with the offensive line coach and and help the offensive lineman for $15. It was with Harry. It was, you know. With Harry Heaston for $15 an hour. And uh, McCaskey paused a long time and said, I hope that uh, Olin shares that story at his Hall of Fame meeting. And then when pressed, he basically said that it was not true. What do you think? I, I have no idea. You got he said, she said. Mm -hmm. You know, so know what you do with that? Stay away. Stay away from it. (laughs) Well, apparently Olin Krutz went out to 670 to score sports radio and said that he called Ryan Pace and Harry Heastan, and both of them corroborated his story. So right now it's they said, he said, at least according to Olin Krutz. So uh, when when did Olin do that today? About 15, 20 minutes ago. Oh, really? According okay. to people in the chat. Well, I know Olin, Olin and George said that when, when George said that, my first reaction was, Olin going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, but, you know, that that is, uh, you, you, maybe George didn't have the answer to that one. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? Yeah, um, exactly. But, Put it this way. If Ryan Pace agreed with the story, it was freaking Ryan Pace who made the $15 an hour offer. He was the GM. <laughs> exactly. And according to Olin, he said that when uh, that subject came up, he said uh, Ryan said, yeah, we probably should have offered more. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah, how about a couple hundred an hour? <laughs> At least, right? Uh-huh. What? Off the air, I'll tell you a story. I was texting back and forth with Olin. Okay. <laughs> but I, well, wait, I, 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 I can't share everything on here. <laughs> of course not. There's yeah. things you got to keep quiet. Absolutely. But well, let, let's talk some more, guys. Uh, sure. Another one of my favorites, Brian DeBall. Mm-hmm. DeBall, however, I don't know how the hell they pronounce DeBall, it. DeBall, yeah, I believe it's the pronunciation. Up too. A hell of an offensive coach. I've heard that he might not be a great interview, and I've said that here a few weeks ago. I said, I don't care. Are you hiring the guy for his interview or his ability to coach? And he's done a great job with the Bills' offense since he's been there. He's worked for good people. Now, I'm not a big believer in the, um, you know, the Belichick tree guys because most of them fail. In fact, you know, one of the few to have any success is Flores, and Flores just got fired for for whatever reason. But he did work under Bill for a few years in various positions. So it was he wasn't a coordinator. And then he was at Alabama as a coordinator under Saban. So, I mean, he worked for some good people. You know, and then he comes up here uh, to Buffalo. But more than anything else, the work he has done with Josh Allen has been absolutely remarkable. Mm. You know, if you watch Josh Allen tape when he was coming to Wyoming, he's always got that big arm. Yeah. But shit, he couldn't hit water from a boat. 
<laughs> you know, he was a 54%, 55% completion guy in college. Mm-hmm. And you and now he's, he, there's two players that have changed the thinking because of thinking in, in, in scouting college players was that an inaccurate college player quarterback never becomes accurate once he gets into the NFL because it's, you know, the windows are so much smaller. The passing right. game is so much tighter. Yet there's been two that have him and Lamar Jackson. Hmm. And, you know, in recent years, but you know what? They're the only two. But still, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it happened. But mm-hmm. I mean, he's turned Josh Allen into just a force. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of similarities between Josh Allen and Justin Fields. And Fields is far more advanced than Allen was coming out of Wyoming. Mm. So that when you think about developing that quarterback, that's a guy you got to talk to. And, and not only that, it's, and we, we've talked about this before. You, you, you hired Matt, One of the reasons you hired Matt Nagy, who was the, you know, the offensive genius who worked under Andy Reed and he got to call plays for about half, a little less than half the season and in the playoffs for Kansas city and his, his, last year there so but no reality is reality is that's not matt Nagy's offense that's andy reed's offense mm-hmm. so if you really want that offense to work real good you got to hire andy reed because <laughs> he's a guy who, and that's why i wouldn't touch the enemy because the enemy you're getting matt Nagy all over again you know, and Maggie's called plays more than the enemy did with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you know, different personalities, etc. But this guy's been interviewed a number of times, and he never gets hired. So, what's the reason? Probably need some media consulting work. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, Nagy, the first time he gets put in a situation to get hired, he had a couple teams knocking down the door for him. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, th- th- there's something missing there. I don't know what. He's obviously a media favorite. Um, but to me, it's like we just came from that. We're not going back. And Dave Tobe's a different story because Dave Tobe, you know, he might bring in some offensive people that are going to run an entirely different offense. Mm-hmm. You know, and and still, so, and, and the key, if, if you hire a defensive coach or a guy like Dave Tobe, who's a special teams coach, <laughs> one of the keys in the interview process is who is their offensive coach is going to be. And you can't just say, give me one name, because you might not be able to get that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, that guy may say, yeah, I'm going with you. But then for whatever reason, it doesn't come to fruition. you got to have at least three. And and what are the strengths and weaknesses of those three guys? Mm-hmm. So, um, but then to, to go on, Greg Roman. Who's taking Baldwin. a hit lately. His, uh, he's, uh, yeah, I, he hadn't had his quarterback playing either. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would uh, be a, a big reason why. <laughs> Um, you know, 
the guy whose career, I, I, I don't know the guy, but it, when you watch his career, it, 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 it's been like this mm-hmm. as far as being a hot candidate or not being the hot candidate, excuse me, that waking up at four o'clock is getting me. Um, <laughs> he, when he was at San Francisco, might have been under Harbaugh. And, you know, you had Kaepernick as, as the quarterback, and he was a hot guy because mm-hmm. they were doing a lot of things with that real athletic quarterback and, and some different things with that type of player. And then, you know, he was at Buffalo, and he didn't do so well, but they really didn't have a quarterback worth the darn that. Mm-hmm. And now he's at Baltimore, and he's got another guy. And you got to give him credit for developing Jackson. And so, you know, he, he's an interesting guy. And that's a team that likes to run the football. And – He's the offensive coordinator, so you know he's a proponent of running the football, which I like. So, again, I'm not what I'm saying when I have this list, these are names I'd want to talk to. Sure. Okay. And then once you go through the, the, the process, then you, you know, you make a determination. And I'll tell you one thing I like, like one thing George said, because he said he, he got it from Bill Polian. And he said, you know, Polian interviewed Tony Dungy for eight hours, but he knew eight minutes in and he wanted to hire him. Mm -hmm. That happens. You Mm -hmm. just know, you know, the chemistry right off the bat. Sure. You know, I knew, I I called Ballard my second day here on the job. Didn't, did not know the guy. Did, um, and so it was an interview strictly over the phone. It wasn't even face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Before that conversation was over, I knew I wanted to hire him. And what I did, what, what, what I used to do when I interviewed guys, mm-hmm. especially a guy who had never been in scouting like Chris. Chris was a, the defensive coordinator at what was called Texas A&I back then. It's Texas A&M Kingsville now. And as I try to talk him out of it, I'll spend 45 minutes trying to talk him out of it. Why the hell do you want to do this? And like I you know, said with you at the beginning of the show, I, I missed the birth of my, my two kids because I couldn't get home. And that was one of the reasons. How about five years in a row when I was with the Giants, I was on the road better than 200 nights. Mm. Wow. So do you know what you miss when you're, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, it cost me a marriage. My first, you know, so, but, so that's what I did when I interviewed guys. I mean, obviously I wanted to know if they could evaluate, but they had to really sell me that they wanted to do this when I was trying to say, the job sucks, you know, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I had success because every guy I hired, hit a home run, hmm. you know, start Sadowski, Teddy Monaco, Ballard, Rex Hogan. We uh, on this show previously changing subject slightly here. Pep Hamilton is someone that you have uh, uh, advocated as an offensive coordinator for the Chicago bears. He's going to interview for 
the job down in Carolina I just saw. Yeah, uh, that's according to Aaron Current of the Barfly Tailgate Show. Indeed he is. And what is it about Pep Hamilton that you like and why would he work well with Justin Fields? Well, he's first of all, he really knows and understands the quarterback position. Um, Pep is easygoing, easy to get along with, but at the same time demands respect. You know, I worked with Pep here as a quarterback coach and then as a head coach in the XFL in a shortened season. I thought he did a great job as the head coach running a whole team. Uh, and he, he was the play caller, even though he wasn't, quote, the offensive coordinator, but he was really the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, knows offense, knows several different kinds of offenses, and he takes the best of everything and kind of puts it into his offense. Mm-hmm. Um, starting off with the, you know, he, he, he coached Andrew Luck all through college mm-hmm. and then had him in the pros, you know, so – for the first part of his year. So, you know, Pep Hamilton, or a lot of the success of Andrew Luck goes on Pep Hamilton. Because hmm. he's, the, you know, he developed him in college and, and, and uh, coached him for his first, what, four or five years in the, in, in the NFL. And, and Pep, is, he's a real good guy. But on top of that, he's a guy that, you know, he, he knows the people here, you know, so he would, you know, already knows, knows the building, knows the McCaskies. Oh, that's with that Michigan shirt on. Don't you got one? Don't you got one when he's got, you know, like the DC defenders on gear on or something? Come yeah, on. I can, I can find one of those. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh but but uh, no, Pep, but but I, you know, look look at the job Pep's done the last two years. Mm-hmm. Last year he, he gets Justin Herbert as a rookie, and he's got to play him because Tyrod Taylor gets hurt in the first game, and look what happens. Now obviously the the player has a lot of talent. There we go. And maybe if you look hard, I might be there somewhere. Um, and then this year he does a good job with a, a lower round guy from Stanford, mm-hmm. and and Pep Pep's very intelligent, so he works really good with smart kids too, the Stanford type kids, and that's you know one of the reasons he he coached there is he works with those smart kids really really well. Well, so. I uh, I've heard a lot of good things, uh, not just from you, but from other people about Pep Hamilton. Now he has been criticized a little bit in the chat room. People are saying that recently his offense has been kind of sputtering a little bit. But uh, no, wait a minute, time out. He hasn't run the offense his last these last two NFL seasons. Mm-hmm. He's been the quarterback coach. That's right, and and that's a big big distinction. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't the play caller. No, I, I granted he had he has a lot to do with with the game plan because mm-hmm. you know I know this guy isn't going to sit back and say okay, okay, mm-hmm. you know he's he's going to speak up if he doesn't think something's going to work. Uh, but but I I think the world of Pep, and in all honesty, you know Scott Fitterer is the GM in, in in Carolina. When I saw that, I sent Scott a text saying, hey, I, I've known this guy for years. You can't miss with him. 
I don't even know if I got anything back yet because it was right before I came on the show. Working your sources as always, Greg Gabriel. No, didn't get anything back yet. <laughs> he probably said, fuck you, Gabriel. Um, <laughs> but who else do we got here? Yeah, who do you got on your list there of uh, potential? We said Flores, we said Tobe, we said DeBall, Greg Roman, Bowles. We mentioned the enemy. Mm-hmm. Oh, Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich is an interesting name. A lot of people are saying prior to Tom Brady, he didn't really have much to show for with his offense at Tampa Bay. But uh, once Brady has uh, joined the team, all of a sudden that offense has taken off. So how much of it is Leftwich and how much of it is Brady? Well, who's calling the plays? Byron Leftwich. Okay. So that has, I mean, yeah. Good players have a way of making good coaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No question. But Bruce Arians has given him free reign to call the plays. So, I, you know, I haven't talked to Byron Leftwich since the day we interviewed him during his draft. I think mm-hmm. I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Yes, you did. And that was down in Florida at IMG. Uh, and who was with me? Well, Jerry and Greg Olson, who was the play caller for the Raiders. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Greg was the quarterback coach here at the time. Uh, He was with me. So, and, and Byron had a good, had a good workout, but you know, we weren't going to get him. He went number seven in that draft, but Mm -hmm. we had to do our due diligence. And the, the, I remember the workout because it was on a, it was on a Sunday afternoon. You know, we met him down in IMG in Bradenton about noon, maybe 1130. And then we, we spent about four hours with him. Nick has a good question regarding Leftwich. He, he asks, isn't that Arian's offense just like Reed's offense in Kansas City? So couldn't you apply the same logic you did with Yeah, Aaron? no, that, that, that's, that's fair. That is. But I think the difference is Arian's has, has given – left with some autonomy to pretty much do what he wants. Mm -hmm. You know, with it's his design, you know, meaning it's Arian's design, but left, is running it the way he wants to run it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so, but yeah, that that it's, and it's a legitimate question. For sure. And and the last name is, and after yesterday, you know, he'll probably get booted down the street, but Matt Everfluss with the, the Colts defensive coordinator, oh. um, highly regarded around the league. I Another guy I don't know, the guy who really jumps on the table for him, and I got all the respect in the world for this guy's Rod Marinelli. Because mm-hmm. this guy worked under when Marinelli was the coordinator in Dallas. Everfluss worked under Marinelli in Dallas, and and he just, you know, Rod thinks the world of him. It was an incredible defeat. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars handed to the Indian. The Colts cannot beat that team. That's unbelievable. It is really unbelievable. I mean, I mean, it's and I didn't even realize it. And then, you know, when they they lost to him once last year, I go, I called up Ballard, and he goes, I don't know what it is. We can't beat them. <laughs> It happens all the time. Yep. There are certain teams that have the number of other teams. What do you think about Tony the Pod Boss's uh, suggestion of Deuce Staley? 
Uh, I know Deuce. Worked with him in Philly. Um, you know that. Well, he's never been a play caller. He's a, you know, he's assistant head coach now, and, and he's a great running back coach. Uh, to me, Deuce is a lot like um, Todd Bowles, mm-hmm. and demanding. He's not afraid to kick your ass, and will, and got the strength and power to do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and so does Todd. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, th- I mean that that that's an interesting name. You can't say no, but you know he's never been a coordinator. But not here. Hear me out here. Mm-hmm. You know who was never coordinator, and then he became a head coach. Uh, I'm trying to take a guess. Maybe Bill Belichick. No, Belichick was a coordinator a lot. Andy Reid. Andy Reid. Oh, well. <laughs> there's a case against uh, being concerned with the coordinator background. Um, I got a question for you from Winston Robbins. I really like this question. He says, Greg, is the first person the Bears or any organization, the, the first person that they interview, is that usually the top choice? You know, will Bill Pullian say, well, here's a list of people I want to interview. And is that first person on that list usually the person they're kind of leaning towards a little? Um, no, only because of the rules you got on when you can talk to these people. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, your number one guy, you might not be able to get to the fourth or fifth, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, especially if he's working for a playoff team, you know, if it's a college coach or, right. or, you know, a guy like, um, you know, is out of the playoffs, uh, ever flush from, from, uh, the Colts, uh, you know, you can talk to those guys today, Mm -hmm. but there's only certain times and you got to go to them. Like if you're going to do Todd Bowles or any of these other guys who are working for playoff teams, you got to go to them on their, basically on their time because they're, uh, they got to prepare for games this weekend. And so it, it, a lot of times it's going to be, you know, in the evening when, when they've gotten their, their work for the team done. And it may, and, and in some cases it may have to be because of, of the playoff situation, it might have to be a zoom call, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then once they're done now, here's what you can do. Now here's the interesting thing. You know, you, you can't, like a Todd Bowles. You can't hire Todd Bowles until Tampa Bay loses in the playoffs. Okay, so if he if they lose this Sunday, you can hire him on Monday if you want. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if they're keeping playing, you can't hire him. But you can make a deal with him. Mm. And perfect example was that was when Atlanta hired Dan Quinn. Yes. And, and Quinn was with Seattle, Seattle during right. their Super Bowl run there. Right. And and wasn't available until after the Super Bowl game. That mm-hmm. deal was done way before then. Mm-hmm. And they started hiring the coaches he wanted. Mm-hmm. So they got the coaches under contract. So all they had to do was, you know, as soon as the game was over, then Quinn was in, in Atlanta the next day. Mm-hmm. So that you can do. You just can't. The guy can't sign a contract. Now, where that happened and the team got screwed, 
was McDaniels with the Colts. McDaniels had agreed to a contract. Chris was hiring. He, he already hired like half a dozen coaches. That's right. You told me that before. And then McDaniels said, oh, I'm not coming. I changed my mind. Um, and was that because of Carson Wentz? Because um, he, he no, was- that had nothing to do with Carson Wentz. Wentz was at Philly then. This was before they hired Frank Wright. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. You're That's right. how they ended up getting Frank Wright. That's right. And uh, he backed out. They were in the Super Bowl, and he backed out. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know all the reasoning. Uh, it's never been shared with me. I only suspect. Mm-hmm. But I know that, you know, coming from the Belichick tree, he had all the control when he was in Denver. Mm-hmm. And Bill's got all the control in, in New England. And he wasn't going to have the control in, in Indy. Chris, is, Chris has. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he might have said, you know what, I, I can get a better situation. Well, guess what? It bit him in the ass. Because, I mean, even his agent fired him. Wow. And his agent is one of the most respected agents, coaches, and all he does is coaches, Bob Lamont. His agent was so pissed, the agent fired him. Wow. Well, yeah, it doesn't look good on Bill Lamont that he's got a uh, client. Or Bob Lamont, yeah. Excuse me. It's awful. Yeah, it's uh, your client goes rogue on you. This uh, just came in over Twitter a few minutes ago. Uh, the Bears have put in a request to interview Colts Director of College Scouting, Morocco Brown, for their vacant GM job. Source says a respected voice in Indy, considering the draft success they've had. So already a name has leaked out, and it's somebody very high at the My top. My number oh, one man. Your number one man. How about that? Well, uh, Greg, any other final thoughts that you want to share with people? And and then we'll, we'll need to get back here next week and, and discuss all of the rumors and news and uh, have you analyze that for us. Uh, but anything else you want to share before? Well, we- let, let, let's back up a little bit. Sure. Interesting. Colts aren't in the playoffs. Morocco's available today. Could you see a hiring that quickly? Well, I'll tell you another thing, because I I hate bringing up the race thing, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you're required because uh, because of the Rooney rule Mm -hmm. to, you know, interview two minority candidates. Mm -hmm. But if you like, uh, you know, I don't know how it works. If you like Morocco and he knocks your socks off in the first interview and you say, I'm going to hire him, mm-hmm. do you have to go after a second guy? Is- I, I don't think so. Yeah. No, because the whole thing is to make sure that, that minority candidates are getting a, a, a fair shot right. at, at, the, uh, at the job. But Morocco is... Uh, uh, put it this way, I'd be happier than a pig in you-know-what if he got that job. And well, I, I think he would do, you know, because of the training he's had, starting when he w- w- with us back in 2001, mm-hmm. and, th- and we used to work the hell out of those guys now. And then 
you know, at Washington, at Cleveland, and been through some tough times in, in, in Cleveland. And now, you know, had some success at, at, uh, um, at Indianapolis. You know, I, I, I think Morocco may be a breath of fresh air in Hallis Hall. Hmm. Well, um, I'll tell you, it, we need a breath of fresh air because uh, the consensus from most Bears fans that I've read after George McCaskey's press conference is that there was a bit of uh, disappointment. and uh, But that can be quickly uh, corrected with a hire that people uh, would, would appreciate. In okay, can, I, can I say something here? Please do. There's not going to be anything George could have said in that press conference that half of Chicago wasn't going to be pissed off about. Uh, I got to respectfully disagree with that. Um, okay. okay. And I'll, I'll tell you why, uh, Greg. You know, I, I've done some media consulting work with CEOs. Uh, when McDonald's uh, f- uh, fired, not fired, uh, when the, yeah, when they, when McDonald's fired their chief executive officer because the, the company had had 10 years of failing sales. They hired a man by the name of Jim Cantalupo and uh, Jim Cantalupo had to address the entire 13,000 franchisee owner uh, operator organization and all the corporate employees. And so we sat down for a day and a half coaching uh, Mr. Cantalupo on what to say, what not to say, what people wanted to hear him say, we did surveys. You know, we asked owner operators, what is it that you want to hear say? It was a very meticulous plan to win over the favor of the people who have paid franchise dues to work, to, to own their McDonald's uh, restaurant. Right. And so that was a common practice. And so what I saw today from Mr. McCaskey was no media training whatsoever. No. He, he needed to come in there with a sense of urgency and a and and say the right words at the top to get people to start to buy but, in and say, "Wow, this is a job we've seen before." I, I get you, but I know George, and mm-hmm. that was George to a T. You know, being as uh, well, I'm getting a call from one of my sources. He's going yeah. to. Oh, you, oh, you should have picked it up. I would have killed the audio. No, 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 no. <laughs> I can't pick it up for a minute and sit. No, he'd hung up. Um, <laughs> let me send him a quick text. Yeah, send him a quick text. And I'll, I'll just say, you know. Um, you talk and I'll. Uh, and, and, but that's kind common practice for a lot of CEOs where they hire media consulting companies. And that besides what the, the, the search for a general manager they should have been searching besides Bill Polian, I should say, to advise on the hiring of the next general manager and coach. They should have looked for a media consultant to help George say things better. It wasn't until 45, 50 minutes in where he started to reveal how upset he was with certain parts of, of the press conference. One of the highlights of that press conference for me was when George said, in game one, we had an incident where a defensive back did not touch a downed receiver. And, it and then it happened again in game 17. Exactly. You, that's something that you say towards the top. 
and express your discontent with the coaching staff. And, 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 and that immediately gets you on the side of the fans, as opposed to, you know, very droll, very light, uh, lack but, of spirit. Okay, I'll, but I'll say this, and because I know the man and know his personality, mm-hmm. is, is that's not him. And it's not him to be up in front of the, the media. I thought Ted was a lot calmer mm-hmm. or articulate. I agree. Than, than George was in, in, in front of the media. Mm-hmm. Now, and, you know, and then there was all these comments coming up. Why isn't, you know, Phillips fired? And I stood up for Ted a gazillion times on this show they don't understand what his job is. Mm-hmm. And and then when you watch what, you know, what, what, what George said, mm-hmm. Ted's going to be building that stadium. That's right. Okay. And, and, uh, and what I liked, I don't know if you liked it because you live in Arlington park, but he <laughs> goes, we want it to become a destination. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the right thing. That's great. And, and, and he said, and, and the other thing, but it was very cautious with what he was saying because they don't own the land yet. Mm-hmm. Now, personally, I think they're probably a little further along with what they want to do than he's going to let out, mm-hmm. but they're still doing a lot of studies. And then you got to wait, you know, for the studies to come back, but you know, they're brainstorming mm-hmm. and this is going to put, uh, you know, in my opinion, this thing gets off. It's going to make them one of the most valuable franchises in the league perhaps even top Dallas down the road if if it's if it's done correctly absolutely and when when you're talking about a destination spot we're talking about a destination spot from around the world because as we all know the bears are beloved by uh, football fans around the world. So you get a guy like Chris Watts, who is in the chat room right now. He would love to come and visit Chicago, and he would love to go to uh, visit that new spanking state-of-the-art stadium in seven, eight years, whenever it's up and running. But there's got to be a good football team in there for him to reach into his pocket. And I, I said to Olin, I said something the other day, we're going back and forth, and I, and I said, um, you know, I'll be dead probably by the time this stadium <laughs> ready to play in it. So he just sent me back a bunch of laughing faces. <laughs> but yeah, it was probably, you know, it, it, it's, I'm going to say 10, maybe not 10 years out, but the end of the twenties, the end of the, of this decade. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think that's definitely, and, I mean, they're, they're, it, it's going to take time for planning. Yes. Then you got to, you know, demolition of the and, and clearing of the, of the current site and then you know you start your and the first thing you're going to be putting up is is the stadium but you've got to also get the plans in place for what else you're putting in there which is you know could be a casino there's going to be shopping there's going to be restaurants there's going to be entertainment there's going to be all hotels there's mm-hmm. going to be all sorts of stuff all the hotel would be connected with the casino mm-hmm. and so you got any water running over there? Because that would be, don't you got to have a casino on water in this state? 
Uh, I, I think that was the rule up until a year or two ago. So I, okay. uh, we'll have to uh, look at that again. Yeah, dig a, dig a little ditch along. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think the new gambling rules in the state of Illinois allow for uh, gambling on land. Uh, but I'll tell They're you all what. all on land. I, you, you got that casino right across from the airport. Where the hell's the water? <laughs> yeah. I think there's a little bit of the Plains River that runs by there or something. Yeah, our attorney Michael Diaz says nope, water is not required anymore. Okay. So thank you, Michael D. Um, all right, uh, we're going to pull the plug on this. We've got so much we can cover, and we we would love to do so. Maybe Greg, maybe we can do like a special towards the end of the week after we've collected some more information. Let's stay in, in contact and see if yeah. I can bug you. Well, for let's stay out. I got. I want to talk to you for a minute. Absolutely. And I'll just tell our, uh, our listeners here live, we have more coverage starting at 7 p.m. Central. The AA team is going to look at things from a national perspective. They've got a couple of great guests lined up. Uh, so that'll be a, a 60 to 75 minute program. Them talking uh, about all the changes that have gone on in the NFL and, and specifically also with what's happened in Chicago. And then we're back here at 8.30 p.m. with a special program with a lot of the barroom show hosts talking about all of the changes at Hallis Hall. We're calling that the Hallis Hall Purge. <laughs> so we'll uh, talk to you later today. And uh, Greg Gabriel, thanks again uh, a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you right after this video, please.